0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. He tried
1: that again
0: <laughs> absolutely
1: not. welcome to buckets my friends my name's matt moore i'm the senior nba writer for the action network i'm joined by my colleague nba futures analyst and nfl writer brandon anderson this is your northwest division win totals episode we're going to break down all the win totals get you brandon's projections where our best bets we'll have all those for you in-depth analysis everything that you need to know to bet all the teams in the Northwest Division. Because so many people tell me that they only really even know who's in what division. This is gonna cover the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trail Blazers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. A reminder that everything we talk about in today's episode can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks and get up to the second information on where all the bets and money are coming in. You can track Brandon and I's futures as well as our game picks, all that in there in the Action Network app. I put in all the the picks that we're making on this podcast uh, into the app. You can track those under our futures section. As well as we've got our new media center, which has got Green Dot Daily, a new daily show that breaks down stuff. We'll be doing, I'll be doing lots of hits on there during NBA season. Brandon's on there for NFL. They went four and one in the season opener for NFL. Fantastic start to the season for Green Dot Daily, as well as clips from the show can be found in the media section. All sorts of great stuff. Check it out. Download the Action Network app today. Reminder also that we want to hear your five-star reviews. Go to Apple. Open it up. If you don't listen to Apple, I don't care. You know where it is. Go to Apple. Open it up. Give us a five-star review. Tell us why you like the show. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at HP Basketball. Brandon's at Wheaton Brando. W-H-E-A-T-O-N-B-R-A-N-D-O. And bingo was his name Oh, And let us know what you like about the show. All right. Without further ado, we're going to start with a team that is a darling of NBA smarties across the land. Uh, It was one of my first bets. It's gonna be one of my bigger bets. I have title futures on them. We're gonna be betting them a lot. There's no way this can possibly go wrong. The Denver (laughs) Nuggets, their over-under is 50 and a half. That's a low point at FanDuel. There's an under 52 and a half at Circa and Superbook. Uh, Circa and Superbook are known as being some of the sharper books. They take larger limits as well as those two books. I will say they have definite sides that they take on these things. And their side definitely is that the Denver Nuggets are going to whip ass this season. And there's a good reason for that as this is a best bet for both Brandon and I to the over 50 and a half. Brandon, let's start with your projection on the Denver Nuggets.
2: We love the Nuggets. We are going to say a lot of good things about the Nuggets in the next 10 minutes, and it's because I have the Nuggets projected as the number one offense in the NBA this season. I have them 12th defensively. That puts them at 50 to 58 wins. That is almost entirely over our number here. They are virtually a guaranteed top five offense, and the virtually word there just means please God don't let Jokic get hurt and they're going to be very good. When your offense is this good, your team is really, really good. The end for me is I think that there's a world where this is just the best team in basketball, period. I think that's in play for these Denver Nuggets.
1: I think regular season, absolutely. I think the only way that I'm going to be able to say that they're the best team in basketball, period, is they're going to have to actually do it and win the title. Okay, that's Um, fair. That's fair. But but I will say that this could be a, a team that everyone's looking at much like the Suns last year, where there was a lot of, why are we not just banging the Suns to win the title? Look how much better they are than everybody else. The Denver Nuggets are a great candidate to potentially be that team this season at a plus number. Um, when they put out best record in, in the conference, best record in the league, the Nuggets are probably going to be a very sexy play. Um, there's good reasons for this, guys. This is not just like getting the hype over over whatever. You look at the floor last season, 48 wins without two starters. They lost MPJ after nine games, and he was honestly bad in the ones that he played in. They lost Jamal Murray for the entire season when they were supposed to get him back. They had the worst bench in the league. Bench units are often wild from year to year. There's a little bit of variance in there in terms of how these teams play. That bench last year was literally the worst bench I've ever seen. It was a toxic combination of an undersized point guard and Focco Compasso that also can't shoot, along with bigs that have no rim gravity because they thought that they could get by with a small ball option. That did not work, which is why they overhauled the team. Their defense fell off in the second half of the year, in large part because a lot of guys that were supposed to be bench players we're playing extremely heavy minutes. Will Barton's a good example of this. Not a guy that was going to be on the bench. He was going to start this season. But Will had to play so many minutes in November, it definitely cost him late in the season. He had no energy by the end of the year. But they still chose to upgrade on Barton, adding insignificant upgrades all over the place. Let's start with an overall trend here. Everyone knows about Jokic. Everyone talks about Jokic. That's great. That's awesome. Let's talk about Michael Malone, a criminally underrated coach, just because he doesn't have he is not a lot of the way that these coaches are talked about is basically, do you run nice ATOs? That's generally the sentiment. being a coach in the NBA is about being a CEO. Michael Malone has proven to be one of the best coaches in the league at this. He has strong connections and relationships with all of his players. Um, He he is definitely a maniac. I'll just say that like he's an intense dude, but his message has never really wavered. There was a lot of talk about last season about whether or not it was starting to, and they are, he still has the confidence of everybody. I think how they responded in that series versus the Warriors, and you say, "Yeah, but they got annihilated in five games." The fact that they they went down 0-2 and were fighting on the bench, and everything looked horrible. They came back and were competitive in Game Three, won Game Four, and hung around in Game Five. There actually is something to that, as far as the team still responding to Malone. More importantly, the Nuggets have gone over their win total in every season under Michael Malone, except for 2020 which was the, the truncated year. They showed up to the bubble with about a third of their players, which impacted that as well. But if the season had probably gone on, they probably still wind up going over. They go over every year, no matter what the standards are, make the Western conference finals. They're still probably going to make the make go over the following season. Like they went over the following. Season. It's crazy. Lose two starters go over. It's crazy how consistent they are. They've gotten specific upgrades on the bench and on the defense Will Barton for KCP is not a minor upgrade. That's a younger player that shoots better on catch and shoot. Who's a much, much, much better defender. He was the number one upgrade that they were targeting and they got him. They added Bruce Brown off the bench as a connector. He's going to fit very well, both with and without Jokic. Jamal Murray returns after a full year off. He's been in runs in, he's already in the gym with the nuggets playing Zeke Najee has added muscle, which is going to help their front court rotation, which is good because otherwise they're going to have to play Deandre Jordan. Uh, and MPJ returns likely at full health. He says he's 100%. This roster is absolutely stacked, Brandon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you didn't mention, too, guys like Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green, who already played last year. We're going to get better versions of those guys because we're going to get the correct version. We're going to get the role player version that those guys were in these outsized roles and now they're playing in the right spot this year. So, yeah. there's so much upside on this team because I think there's this assumption that, well, Nikola Jokic will will not be as good and his numbers probably will not be as good for obvious reasons because there's more guys there. But why are we assuming that a guy who's proven to be in the regular season far and away the best player for the last two years of games, why are we assuming in his prime that he's just going to not be as good, that he's going to be worse? Why couldn't he even be better still? Like, I think any of that is in the play Michael Porter Jr. is 24. Jamal Murray is 26. Theoretically, these guys are entering their prime. They should be better. Either one of those guys who I think we all agree are very talented, either one of Porter or Murray or both could make a leap still. We've seen Murray make that leap for moments in the playoffs. We saw Porter, his last healthy season toward the end of the year, make a leap. Like there's upside with those two guys. And by the way, in my projections, I'm only giving Murray and Porter about 60 games each. So I'm not factoring in the leap that that could be or an 80-game season. And even still, my offensive rating for this team has a higher bound of something like 120. Translation, if things go well for this team, this could be the best offensive rating team in NBA history. That's in play. Like, That's not an exaggeration. They were at 115 last year with all the losers they had in the rotation. They're getting jettisoned for all these good players now. And I think, too, the easy argument against the Nuggets, and especially when you get to the playoffs, is, yeah, but the defense, though. The defense is not terrible. The defense was 112 defensive rating each of the last two years. That's a decent floor. That was basically at or above league average both years. I think they finished 15th and 12th in those years. They add KCP, who's a good defender, like you said. They add Bruce Brown. They add Aaron Gordon in the right role, which is going to matter. I I think there is a better argument for this team to be a fringe top 10 defense than there is to be a bottom 10 defense, which I think is the perception of what the Nuggets are. I think we think of the Nuggets like those Blazers teams where like, all right, well, they're like, third on offense and 25th on defense. They're not. This is a good team with a high floor defense and an elite, elite ceiling offense.
1: Last year, they were plus 1.6 in Pythagorean differential, which means that they won more games than they should have. As I've talked about in previous episodes, the trend is very surprising. I know this doesn't make sense, but I'm just telling you, those teams tend to go over about 58% clip. Uh, The reality of this is that the teams basically, the market overreacts. To those teams based off of the pythagorean wins they mark the line closer to what they should have won rather than what they did win and that impacts where the number lands so if you kind of factor in everything and this makes sense is adding michael porter jr and jamal murray really worth two and a half wins that's it two and a half wins if you look at it versus what they actually won last year that starts to be a little bit weird but if you take the Pythagorean then you're like oh it's much higher it's 1.6 higher so now we're into three and a half four and a half that sounds closer to accurate but you can play against that and it's been profitable as well as the Nuggets have been really good versus teams under 500 they have one year where they had more than 10 losses this sounds like a, a random thing I looked at the history of this is where I found it I started looking at in the history of the Western Conference over the last like 15 years how many teams had more than 10 losses to teams under 500 and made the playoffs. And the number was very low. If you had less than 10, 10 losses, the, your chances of making the playoffs are very high. Uh, the Nuggets went 28 and 8 versus sub 500. That's the third best mark in the West. If you're sub 10 to sub 500 teams and all in all but one of the last four years, those teams go over 72% of the time. I talk about this all the time. You want to have a good regular season record. Beat the bad teams, beat your division teams, win your home games. The Nuggets have one of the best home court advantages in the league thanks to their altitude. They're great versus the bad teams. And outside of last year, which was an exception, the Nuggets are great versus their division opponents. And when you look at it, the division categorically probably got worse with the fall of Utah. Chet Holmgren's injury impacting that a little bit. Uh, Even with the Blazers and Wolves improvement, I think you can argue it's at least the same level. They should be better in those categories they have the depth to survive almost any injury with Bones Highland replacing Jamal Murray, if necessary, or in the games where he's going to sit. They have Bruce Brown to take over for MPJ's spot. MP- Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon is a really fun combo next to Jokic. They have some young talent like Zeke Naji and Christian Brown that can step in. The only guy they can't really lose is Nikola Jokic, who has been one of the most stable, least injury-prone guys in the league the last couple of seasons. You can't really say he's due Cause you would have said that the last three seasons and it hasn't happened. So it's baked into all of these concerns is always going to be a risk, but for us, it's definitely a absolute agreement. Best bet to the over.
2: Definitely. Listen, the the division too. The, do you want to play the division here? So the nuggets are minus minus one thirty nine at bat rivers.
1: I don't because I'm higher on the wolves than you who we'll get to in a minute. Okay. So
2: yeah, that's Cheers. fair. So that's, that's an implied 58%. My number gives a slight margin here. If I have them at sixty-four percent, and the difference basically is the difference in how we're looking at the wolves. Probably that's not enough of a difference for me to really bother here. There just are other ways that I like to play the Nuggets, but we agree we like the over for sure. What I
1: like a lot more is their seating is un- over under five and a half. It's juiced Ooh. minus one sixty to the under. That's paying a lot, but I do not have a lot of paths for this team to be beyond the top oh, five. Yeah.
2: That, I did not expect that number. I would have I would have thought it was going to be like a, like a three and a half and or something, half. and I would still feel pretty good about the under there.
1: Um, well, this is a good example of how the market operates. We'll talk about in the Pacific Division. The market is basically saying the Clippers are going to be awesome, and the Suns are going to be awesome, and the Warriors are all going to be awesome, and they're all going to be awesome at the same time. Guess what? One of those teams probably isn't going to be as good. So, and you'll have to figure out which one of those is. We'll talk about that in the Pacific. Let's move to the Portland Trailblazers, who initially I didn't think we're gonna have to talk about much, but after some further review, we both have a best bet, but it's a disagreement. I have a best bet at 38 and a half to the over. Brandon has a best bet. Are you gonna play the 38 and a half or the 40 and a half minus 130 at points bet? Do you want the extra two for the extra twenty cents?
2: So I'm I'm taking the under here, but I want to talk through it before I make a decision on the number, okay. and even if it's a best bet because this this is our first one I think this is Division Four for us. I think it's the first time we've disagreed, but it's the first time that we have a strong bet play on opposite sides. So this is my third best bet in the division. I want to talk through it and then make a decision about this once I hear your argument for because I, I I don't feel I don't love this one, but I I want to see if you can sway me still.
1: Okay. Uh, What's your projection on their number?
2: Okay, so I have the Blazers. We we, we know what they are. We know they'll be good on offense, Hmm. bad on defense. We know this. This is what Portland is. Hmm. I have Portland, ninth on offense, 25th on defense. And I'm going to guess that the difference between us is that you probably have each one of those four to six spots higher. So we'll talk about it. At ninth and 25th, that puts the Blazers 32 to 40 wins. And that's why I have to take the under here because that's basically almost the entire range. The teams that the Blazers compare to when I, when I looked at, okay, if you're at ninth offense, 25th defense, I get teams like the Pelicans from a couple of years ago. I get from uh, the year before that, I get teams like the, the Wolves or the Hornets. Basically, when you look at it, we don't remember those teams very much, which is telling because they're not memorable they are teams that typically won like low to mid thirties. When I did the similarity score for this, I was like, Oh, okay. That is not what I expected from what this roster could be. I think we think the Blazers are running it back. It's a really different looking team. Actually, a lot has changed. So I want to talk through with you what got better, what's gone and what's the result here.
1: Okay, uh this doesn't have a lot to do with this team. It's a historical trend, and I don't like a lot of these because there's been when there's been change like this. Like I like trends when there's stable factors. I will just say that when you have Damian Lillard, they're six two and one to the over in the Dame era. Like when you have Damian Lillard, you tend to go over. That's just a general trend. My biggest reason for this is actually a numbers play based off of the Pythagorean thing that we talked about with the Nuggets. The Blazers were the highest overperformer. Um, they're they won way more games than they should have. Uh You can argue that number is very much juiced, amped, faked, whatever, because they were just tanking their faces off so aggressively lately. Tanking so hard. So hard. But that also, I think, impacts a little bit of how the market views them. And so teams that are 1.6 or better, which the Blazers are way over that, 75th percentile, are 15 and 8 to the over, 65% in the last 10 years. They just tend to go over. The market overreacts on these things, and they tend to put the number too low because it's like, look at the point differential. This team sucks. The changes are pretty significant here. So Dame gets back, but you also add Jeremy Grant. Dame never played with Josh Hart. They add Gary Payton the second, and Anthony Simons takes a big step forward in the rotation. So when we look at this, you have Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic who have been on teams that have consistently gone over and made the playoffs. Then you add Jeremy Grant as a wing upgrade. Is that better than Norman Powell? No, it's not. Anthony Simons versus CJ McCollum is an interesting question based off of, I think, a lot of factors of CJ's durability, the scouting report on CJ, all types of things. Like, CJ's a better player right now. Simons put up some pretty ridiculous numbers when the games didn't matter. Does that factor? I don't know. Josh Hart and Gary Payton are big swings here for me because you mentioned the defense.
2: Yeah.
1: Look, I, I cannot stress this enough how much I am frustrated with their decision to, re- to retain of Nurkic. If they had gotten literally at any other center and this number was this, I would be hammering the over. This is a best bet for me, but I'm not, this is like an NBA one and a half, two unit play versus a three or four or a five unit play. I'm playing like the lower end of, of a best bet for me. <laughs> I'm going to play it And the reason is use of Nurkic. It's not that Nurkic sucks. It's that with use of Nurkic, when they've tried to play at the level and pick and roll, he gets torched. Can't switch, can't play at the level. You drop him, he's better. If you play drop with Damian Lillard and he has to get over the screen, he sucks. If he plays at the level or on switches, he's pretty good. You have a center and a guard who cannot play the same scheme defensively. You can make that work, as I've talked about with the Bulls, with adding these perimeter guys like Gary Payton and Josh Hart to help from the corners on those drives to give a little bit of help. And if Billups does that, maybe that gets them not 25th, maybe that gets them 19th, maybe that gets them 21st. And every mark you get higher on defense, I think impacts your win total a lot more, considering the, the bar is so high for the offense. Billups last year, I actually thought did a very good job. Really, There's a lot of things that went against him. When I watch night to night, the Blazers do not strike me as a team that doesn't know what it's doing. They strike me as a team that the formula was stale. Dame was hurt with the abdomen thing. They needed to make changes. The front office was toxic. They changed all that out. Everyone raves about Cronin. Everyone raves about Joe Cronin. Like the vibe with the Blazers is much better. I'm not telling you to bet the over based off of vibe. I'm telling you to bet the over based off of the things that were so negative last year were accented by very specific things that have been swapped out this year. I don't think this is a great team. I think it's a 500 team at 38 and a half. I like the best bet for the over.
2: Okay. That's, that's compelling. That's it's interesting because you like the best bet, but it's one of your lower end of best bets. And I like it also, but it's we're all on the opposite side of things. Like, you don't really want to go too hard on it because of Nurkic. I don't really want to go too hard on the under because of Dame. Yeah. And it's we're, we're, we're kind of seeing the opposite. So let me make the case for the under here. So last year's data basically is a throwout for me. So if you look at the teams before, the previous three years in a row, we have a very, very consistent profile of what the Blazers are. For three consecutive years, the Blazers were a top three offense in the NBA all three years. They were a top three offense. I did not realize they were that good, that consistently. However, all three years, they were bottom three in the defense. Yep. All three of them really bad. Like when I say 25th defensively, that's giving them credit. That's improvement from what they have been. So what I want to look at is, okay, we know very securely what those teams were Throw out last year. Look back to the team where, okay, what's the team? Dame and Nurkic always there, undersized shooting guard next to Dame, musical chair forwards, and not much bench. Right. That like that's we we went through multiple versions of the team, but that's what the Blazers were. So if I compare that, but I knew what they were to what they are now. I have Dame still, but it has to be at best an even version of Dame. Maybe he's still in there. He's only 32. His last healthy season was fantastic. But at best, I'm getting the same Dame I got before. More likely, at age 32, I start to get some decline. Nurkic has to be worse now than he was before. The decline is already happening. So those are two spots where I'm at best, even, probably worse. To me, from CJ to Simons is a clear drop. Maybe not long-term. We'll see about trajectory. But right now, that's a drop. And we already know Simon's not a good defender. So we're going to have that same problem built in. I like the idea of Hart and Gary Payton. You only get to play one of them because Jeremy Grant's going to start. If, if I knew that Simon's with his hefty contract would come off the bench, I would feel a lot better about the idea of the team.
1: You think he will? There's an expectation from the people I've talked to that, that there's a good chance he comes off the bench.
2: Because here's the thing. If he doesn't, here's the bench unit.
1: Yeah, this is my
2: bench five. Gary Payton, Keon Johnson, Nasir Little, Justice Winslow, and Drew Banks, with maybe some Shane Sharp, who I don't think plays much this year because he's probably going to be in the G League a lot. You can so if you switch it up a, a little bit, put Gary Payton as the, the shooting guard, so now you have two very good defenders with him and Hart. Now you bring Simons off the bench to be just the, like, just go do everything. Go do all the scoring. I like it much better that way. So if you're, if you're thinking that that happens, I feel better about the the floor of this team but if i'm just looking at the big picture of okay we knew what the team was but now i have an even or worse dame an even or worse nurkic a worse two guard and then the other thing too is terry stotts was really good terry stotts was a good coach for sure i don't know if Phillips is bad but again i have yeah. at best an even probably worse coach so i just I look at the thing we knew what it was and it all seems equal and probably worse. So I feel like we're headed in the wrong direction here,
1: but it seems worse compared to two years ago, right?
2: worse compared to the template of what this team has done year after year.
1: But that's the thing though, is in 2021 when they weren't good, they still won 42 games in 2020 when they weren't good, they went 35 and 39. Okay. They took a dip then the year before 53 wins the year before 49 the year before 41 those are all overs so like here's the thing is is it's I, I think Stotts was a better coach I think Stotts was really good but a lot of the defensive stuff was Stotts it just it just and honestly David Vanterpool, who's a, a a disciple of drop they'll play a little bit different coverage when they do when they have different personnel out there I don't know like I don't think you can solve the Dane Nurkic problem I don't think he can that's why again I return to nurkage is a problem um i will say nurk's 28 so i'm not in a, in a place of, of saying he's going to start falling apart yet like is he, he really 28 he was born in 94
2: wow okay so that's uh, news um, to me
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah he seems like he's been in the league forever but he hasn't he's actually he was a rookie the year before yokish came in this is eighth year in the league but he's only 28 hmm. um the bench is a, a lot of unknown guys with some upside. So the question is kind of like, can you get a couple of hits there? Even if the bench is bad, can it get pieced together with with staggering? Um, there are lineups here, I think, that can get some stops. I don't think it's going to be good. Again, though, I'm not trying to get to make an argument for the Blazers, a top 15 defense. I'm trying to get, make an argument for them t- to not be bottom five. Yeah, and that basically gets us. Home. That's all
2: they need. They, if, if they're if you just told me they're not bottom five, I want no part of the under anymore because the offense I'll, can be I'll, good. I'll just
1: tell you from an from a league perspective. There's a lot of watch the hell out for Dame this year. Not from Blazers folks, although they are definitely people that are close to Dame are definitely promoting that as well. Uh, there's a lot of talk of we all knew that Dame had this abdomen thing for years. Oh, he yeah. had an abdomen problem for years, and he never got it fixed because he was trying to play through it. Guards are playing much longer now. Yep. His style of play is not like Russell Westbrook's, where it takes a lots of hits off of you. Full He's of very healthy.
2: durable. Usually, he normally plays all yeah. the minutes and all the games. Here, here's the numbers from his last season. Throw last year. Here's the numbers: twenty eight point eight points a game on sixty two percent true shooting. BPM, 125 offensive rating. Like that's, yeah. I I have the case for the over. That's the case for the over. Please don't bet against this man. It's going to go poorly for you.
1: (laughs) And that's a lot of it. So uh, fully healthy, great season from Dame. That raises the floor. Jeremy Grant provides a pretty good weapon. Um, I think it, it mostly comes down to they're not as explosive, but they're more solid. They're not as just completely shaky. I think that they'll look relative to like the two years ago, they'll look better in their bad games and worse in their good and that gets me to around a 500 team still hmm. So that at 38 and a half it's got to be a best bet over for me at 41 and a half I would absolutely be on the under like that's just where I would be is at 41 and a half at 40 and a half I, it's a stay away 38 and a half I've still like the over
2: yeah so I think here's where I'm gonna land. I I'm looking, I see a 38 and a half, a 39, a 40 and a half. And instinctively I'm like, Oh, maybe let me grab that 40 and a half and give myself an extra little bit of cushion here, especially to that Simon's possibly coming off the bench thing and making these rotations work a lot better. That matters a lot for me. That might be a couple of wins there. Potentially. If I find myself thinking, I'm not so sure, let me grab the highest number here and give some cushion that is the signal that this should not be a best bet for me. So I'm going to stay on the under, absolutely. But I'm going to do a lean under here because I was kind of teetering between that. And I think that where I'm at on this tells me to maybe not go too hard on it.
1: You've got another best bet in this division. And it's on one that I do not have a play on. That's the Utah Jazz. After all of their trade machinations, the Jazz are at 24 and a half at Circa and Superbook, the sharpest book. There is an under 26 and a half at Bet Rivers. Make sure you shop around either way that you're going. Brandon, you got best bet on the under. What's your projection for the new look, Utah Jazz?
2: I do. And you mentioned the 26 and a half at Bet Rivers. It's minus 110 right now. You don't even have to drink the extra juice. You can just bet the old number there. So that's why I like the under. I also like the under because I'm just going to tell you with my projections, I'm not projecting the current roster to play this season out. I'm basically projecting. Some or no Mike Conley and some or no Boyan Bogdanovic. Everything that I think about this team and Danny Ainge and where the trajectory is, is that those guys should not stick around or certainly play 75 games for the team. They blew it up. Four of their seven rotation dudes from last year are gone. Cause don't forget Joe Ingles is gone and Royce O'Neill is gone too. So here's the projection for the team that's left after those guys. I had them 25th on offense 29th on defense, potentially a disaster on that end. That puts them at 18 to 25 wins. I grabbed under 28 on a market right after the trade. I think that there's very good potential. This line keeps dropping. And if there is even one more domino, a Conley or Boyan trade, I think the line suddenly is the lowest on the board, like a 23 and a half, a 22 and a half. We've seen this with Danny Ainge. We know how this goes. The dude just wants to lose everything and get his high draft pick now. I don't see any reason to think good thoughts about this team. Why do
1: you say that? Why do you think that that's Angel's thing?
2: Because I feel like that's that's the way he... When he, he is not a half-measures guy. Is he? And that's what we've seen here is he, he looked at the roster and was like, nope, I'm out. And he just started unloading everything. So I expect... That he's gonna keep unloading. Why? Why bother? There's nothing to gain from keeping Mike or Bolian around. They didn't even really have like, oh, well, we need to keep these guys as veterans to help our young guys. No, there's no young guys here either. We just need to blow it up, keep getting more draft picks, and play through to the end. He he did the tank job. He's shown right now it wasn't just well, I don't like Mitchell and Gobert. Let me trade Gobert and then we'll rebuild around Mitchell. No, he's in. He's he's in on this is it. I'm done with this roster. Let's start over. We got a new young unknown coach. We were getting all these draft assets. This is still on the way down to me and I want to ride the wave to the bottom.
1: It's hard to argue against. Um, I want to push back on the age point. I think that's what we think of age because he makes so many deals and machinations, but he's been a guy that actually wants to compete pretty consistently. The mark in your favor is that after they traded KG and pierce and jason terry to the nets their mark was 40 and a half they won 25 so that's and that's below your your market at 26 and a half for a different team so that kind of makes sense i guess i don't have like a whole like age is going to make sure that they tank no matter what sentence. okay that's fair to, to be clear
2: to be clear this is not just an age is going to make them tank take the, the roster of guys they have left, yeah. the way that I evaluate these players is going to make them tank. Right. Here, let me read you the, the 10 man rotation. And I know it's not quite this because even if Mike and Boyan are gone, somebody comes back for them. But here's the 10 guys. Tell me who you like as like, this is going to help them win a bunch of games this year. Starting five potentially Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, Kalen Horton Tucker, Lowry Markinen, Azabuki, maybe as the center. And your bench unit is something like Jared Butler, Jordan Clarkson, Akbaji, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler. So those are your 10. And I don't I don't want names of, well, those are NBA players. These are solid rotation guys. Who's going to win games? Who's going to be a lead of the defense? Who's going to get you buckets on offense efficiently? Who among that group is a winning player at like a real meaningful level?
1: I think Sexton can be a, not, okay. So you say winning player and it's like, we have to put this in within the context of the, the ranges, right? Uh-oh. Sure. Okay.
2: Well, who's, who's going to help them push into the thirties for wins?
1: Mm, I, I only want high twenties here for the over though. Okay. Right. No, this sure. is the difference. No,
2: That's true. This that's is... true. But that's where the incentive thing comes in because yeah. if, if I'm looking at a high twenties or low thirties team, well now I'm looking at a tanking team and now I have to lean back under again. Okay. So yeah. if, if I don't think this is a tank team, then the West is soft. We agree on that. There are bad teams. So, if this team thinks they can maybe push for a plan, then that's a different story. I don't think they have any shot at that.
1: The players are that I like on the roster are Sexton, Clarkson, relative to other possible two guards in this range. I like Doke a lot. I like Udoka Aizabuki. I think I watched him a lot last year and actually liked his minutes quite a bit. Balmaro and Fotecchio are both unknowns, but those are guys that actually are sure. pretty good. Uh, Vando, I like a lot. I'm very high on Vando. I think he makes winning plays. Laurie Marketing, I've talked a lot about him. He's been awesome in Eurobasket. I think he's a guy that will play hard and contribute. A lot of this is also, we don't know how good Will Hardy is. We don't know.
2: Well, yeah, we don't know that for sure.
1: I, again, it's like, are they going to win 30 games? No, of course not. They're, of course, not going to win 30 games. Are they going to win 25? I am not like there's no way that the Jazz are winning 25 games. There can no can way. they
2: be? T- tell me why they're not a a stone cold lock bottom five defense. Who's who's going to defend on this team? They've got they've got drop centers. Who else is going to defend?
1: Well, I think I think Udoka can switch a little bit. Um, to be honest with you, it's about. When you get into this range, it's about can Will Hardy systemically make their defense better?
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Like, so now instead of being the 28th defense by talent, can Will Hardy help you be the 23rd? And you're right. That's enough of a difference at this range. Yeah, we don't don't know the answer to that.
1: I don't mind. I'm going to say this. I don't have a best bet. I don't mind your under because your best bet, your best bet is basically the Jazz are going to tank. And I can't argue with that. Yeah. This is the problem I have with with this team, with the Spurs, with the Pacers, with a lot of this. Is just like I don't know how far they'll go. I don't know how far they won't go. What if it's like they trade Conley and Bogdanovich for Russell Westbrook? Tell him to go home and do the buyout. Yeah. Right. Which is very trade, real
2: possibility. something it's very real, like real that.
1: possibility. Trade Clarkson in January and then at the deadline move Morkin in. Like,
2: yeah. Very possible. Totally, totally in the realm of possibility. That's in my notes. It's like, even if someone is better than I'm projecting them to, all that means is they're going to get traded.
1: Probably. My hesitation is that you have to find a willing partner to take them. That's sure. the that's no, I'm serious. That's a no, real No, You're here. right. The but, trade but, market, but
2: every team wants a, a Jordan Clarkson on the no, cheap at the deadline.
1: The trade market is so truncated right now. It's really difficult. It's been difficult the last couple of years. Like, It's not even though teams are more willing to give up first round picks, if you're going to give up a first round pick, you want to package them together and trade six of them for Rudy Gobert. Like, I I think that the trade, the trademark is one thing that makes me nervous if they can't get rid of them. They have too much talent. And so like that's a lot of what you're basing this on is. I'm taking the under because they're because I have faith in the trade market. And that's where I start to be like, I can't follow that logic. That,
2: so, yeah, that, that's fair. But uh, if I'm being very blunt, I'm taking the under also because I have faith in Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, Lowry Markin, Jordan Clarkson. Like, I you. hate these guys. I oh. hate that exact sort of player. Like, the, the that is a laundry list of six men, empty calorie gunners. And that is the precise sort of player. Like, I don't like anyone on the I roster. Think- so there's... This I don't want to watch this team play. There's not a point guard to run offense once Mike is gone. I would bet if if it were posted, I haven't seen it. I want Jazz to have worse record in the league odds. I think this line is going to be as low as any other team. So I think we're getting three wins of free credit right now because the line hasn't moved enough yet.
1: I, I can't disagree with it. Um, I'll say that like a lot of this is about how you establish Colin Sexton because like you've just called him like basically a shitty gunner, which versus his first couple of years in the league, I don't mind he started to show a few things the last year he was healthy. And then the last year when they were going to be good, like if Sexton has, a, has matured into a better player, this screws with this total a lot just because it may be like, That's they fair. they went little, but again, I'll, I'll say this. If you're going to, if you're going to bet it under is the only route. Like I have all these rebuttals to your under because I want it <laughs> to be a stay away. I don't have like, you should like, I like the value on the over here. I can't get there. I can only get to not an under. I can't get to an over. Let's go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. One of your teams and a team that much like the Chicago Bulls, we talked about in the Central Division, you hate more than anyone else I've ever (laughs) met. Minnesota Timberwolves, there's a 48 and a half at Superbook, the sharpest book uh, on the market. 47 and a half is that FanDuel, but that's minus 138, I believe, to the under. Uh, or to the over, that's
2: to the over, yeah.
1: Minus 138 to the over. Uh, there's a 49 and a half at points bet, plus 125 to the over. Uh, circa notably, the other sharp book is two points off of superbook at 50 and a half. So you can get a minus 110 at circa 50 and a half to the under, or a 48 and a half to the over, minus 110 at superbook. So a whole lot of range in this, yep. Where do you have your quote-unquote beloved Minnesota Timberwolves at?
2: Beloved home team Timberwolves. I'm going to surprise you. I have the regular season Timberwolves. as a pretty good team. I have them 10th on offense, 10th on defense. Okay. Top 10, both sides of the ball. That's a pretty good regular season team. That puts them at 46 to 52 wins. That puts me in a spot where I lean over here, but... At the number that's heavily juiced, and it's probably just going to be a stay away for me. I have a, a correlated bet here that we'll get to at the end of the Timberwolves, but I think they're going to be solid. I think you like them slightly more than I do, and then probably look over. Is is that accurate?
1: Yeah, I lean to the over. It's just a real high number. If this was even one lower, it might be a best bet. I lean over, but I can't bet it at 48 and a half. And look, and that's, that's, I can't really expect that given their performance last season. Like, this was a pretty good team last year. And so, how do I, I can't really expect that number to go down given that they added Rudy Gobert is 46 last year. Is Rudy Gobert worth, even though people overrate how much star players are worth to the wins, is Rudy Gobert alone worth three wins? That gets difficult for me to say.
2: I mean, he um, should be right. The the way that all the advanced metrics yeah. all think that Rudy Good Gobert point. is a god and like the fifth or 10th best player, you you should be a three wins better if that guy's on the team.
1: So we agree. This is going to be a top 10 defense. I, I lean towards this being a top five defense. The reason is basically when Rudy Gobert's on the court, they're a top five regular season defense. You're not going to find anybody that's criticized Rudy Gobert harder than me. Uh, Well, no, that's not true. You're going to not find anybody that hasn't criticized Rudy Gobert with any sort of respect for him than me. <laughs> Um, there's people that just think he's a bum. Rudy Gobert's not a bum. He's one of the no. most impactful defensive it's players. He's great. Like he's incredible. He's one, of, he's a hall of famer for his defense. Absolutely. His offense is a mess. And this is where the really the advanced metrics go in, in misalignment is where they start rating him as one of the most impactful offensive players. He's not. He has great rim gravity. That's not enough because you can counter it. And when he has to score on his own, he sucks. He sucks at post-ups. He sucks at at, at small jumpers. He can't space the floor. He doesn't have a floater. He doesn't have a face-up game. He can't do anything on his own. You get him a guard that can lob it to him. He's one of the most impactful offensive players in the league in tandem with that guard. Like that guard is who's doing the work there. Rudy's jumping and dunking. And that does take skill and positioning and all sorts of things that most players can't do. It just has to be put into context. But defensively in the regular season, Rudy Gobert is an absolute fucking monster. He's just a monster. No one protects the rim at a higher rate. His rebound numbers are absolutely incredible. He is a one-man possession finisher. It is almost impossible for you to have a bad defense with Rudy Gobert on the floor. The Jazz tried with how their defensive their perimeter defense the, he is playing as, alongside much better perimeter defense. Part of it was they had good perimeter defenders around Rudy in, say, 2018, and they couldn't score enough. So then they added all the offense. But then yeah. the offense, it's like, oh, Bogdanovich played one good series versus LeBron. But Bogdanovich is a bad defender. He had one good series versus LeBron in general. He's a terrible defender. Mike Conley was a really good defender when he was 27. He's much older now. All of their guys went down. D'Angelo Russell. I would say he's a minus defender. He's not. He's not amongst my guys that I'm like, oh my god, he's so terrible. He's just mm. not great, not good.
2: The numbers, the numbers think that he's the Trey Young type of terrible. Why do you think that he's not that?
1: Because I think that that in an off in a defense where you can kind of adjust for him, especially let me put it this way: if you put a rim protector behind him to clean up all of his stuff, he's probably going to be okay. Like his numbers are probably sure. going to be decent because he's going to have more help behind him. Anthony Edwards, good defender. The rest of their guys, you talk about people are going to be like, well, that cat. Well, cat's going to guard power forwards, which is a very different role. And cat actually, especially when they try and put him in pick and roll, they found last year, if you play cat at the level, which I've been yelling about for fucking five years, he's pretty good. So you just switch the scheme up. If it's a one five with Rudy, you're going to play drop because Rudy's the best drop defender in the history of the league. There are problems with that. But in general, you're going to win more possessions than, than not in the regular season. In the regular season, you're going to come out ahead. If they go 1-4 with Towns, you're going to blitz. Get the ball out of his hands. Rudy recovers on the backside. This is going to be a top-10 defense. It might be a top-5 defense. They're loaded with shooters. They have so much shooting everywhere. They have so much scoring everywhere. I don't think that they, they lost depth, but they could stagger a little bit more with the guys that they have. Everybody's expecting Anthony Edwards to make a huge leap. I don't think that that's crazy. Kyle Anderson was a sneaky good pickup for them. Eric Pascal was a sneaky good pickup for them. I like Elleby. I like Minot. I think uh, Austin Rivers was actually kind of, a lot of the advanced numbers for, for Austin Rivers and, and Denver last year were really good. Rivers had to start a lot of the time. He's just going to be like one of the backup guards. CJ McLaughlin is good. Like Nas Reed. Chris Finch is an excellent coach. I really like the over here, but I can't play at this number.
2: I want to push back on a bunch of those guys, but I'm not going to just because that's not the point of this right now. But okay, you, you like it. You like a bunch of the guys just a little more than me. That's all. Like there's, there's no, we're not going to debate what we think about Nas Reed and, and LB and these guys right now. Just you, you like a lot of those guys. You just mentioned more than me, uh, bigger picture. I don't love the shooting and spacing on the team. I'm surprised to hear you say that because oh. we're going to have Gobert obviously is not a spacer. He's a vertical spacer, which is a valuable thing, but obviously not a shooter. Their lineup is going to have a non-shooter at the three, whether that's like a Jaden McDaniels or maybe that's Kyle Anderson. That's not a shooter. Mm -hmm. I I don't trust shooting from there. And D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards are mid-range shooters, but I don't trust their three-point shooting yet. So obviously Towns can shoot. We know that. But I, I worry a little bit about, I think, the offense being cramped here are the questions that I have for the team. And I don't know if you have an answer. I'm, I'm happy to hear it. Offensively, does it really help? Does he hurt? Where does he move the needle for them? When Towns is not the center, is he as valuable? Or is he less valuable because now you got a big dude in there taking up his space a little bit? Is he better because he's away from the hoop now? His rebounding is going to get nerfed because he's not going to be in there. Uh, how much does playing Jalen McDaniels a lot more this year? We like him but he's young and he's inconsistent how much does that hurt the offense i think that's going to hurt a little bit obviously we don't know how much the ant leap that it's in there it's coming but i think people are a little too soon too fast cuz we liked him in a movie i think we're maybe a year or two ahead of the curve defensively i don't know you you've said and i've heard a lot of people say well the jazz were a train wreck this team's perimeter defense is a lot better i don't really think that the timberwolves <laughs> lost patrick beverly who was a very yeah. important defender for yeah. them yeah. I don't know that we have any real reason to believe Ant is a good defender in the regular season. He locked in and defended hard in a playoff series for a few games. I don't know that when the load he's going to have in the season that he's a, a good defender. Maybe Towns is better at the four. I think that that's a good case for it in a different sort of role. But t- to me, I, I don't see a top five defense in here with the with the players they have. When you look at the different Gobert teams of the years, and I've done that because you have to decide about Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. So I care about the award. To me, the the guys around him are more 10th or 12th defense than they are guaranteed top five defense. So I, I think the, what they've done with this team has super raised the floor, but the ceiling is not there. Like the similarity score teams, it's all 48 to 50 win teams, which is squarely in the middle of my win range and right at the number we're at. So I, I don't need to play it, but I think that I think if the the picture you've painted of what you think the Timberwolves are, I think means you should be betting the over. If you like the defense as much as you say and the the players you like, I think you're an overplay.
1: No, because that's the thing is like, these guys are based off of uh, of evaluation and I'm not so confident in this evaluation as to make a play on it. Like that's about, about it. Okay. So I think a couple of these examples, the defense was really good until mid season. It objectively was very good. They were a top 10 defense. Until midseason. We've talked about the rules changes, but they actually got hit worse because what happened was before the all-star break, the players went to Finch and were like, We need to be able to switch in the playoff series. You need to let us get some some switch reps. And Finch is like, Okay, let's try it. And they sucked at it. Patrick Beverly sucked at it. And they were so bad that it nuked their defensive rating. And when they went back to their base scheme after the all-star break to try and make sure they made the playoffs, they were fine again. Like it's basically just a scheme differential. And you say, look, War, they could be better at switch this year? No, they have Rudy Gobert. No. Will they be better than the Jazz when they switch? Yeah, because you, if you put Rudy in the corner, I trust their guys to stay in front of dudes more than I trust the Jazz guys. Like, uh-huh. there's just a lot of reasons for that. Donovan was so bad. Mike was so bad. Royce was honestly very bad last year, even though Royce O'Neal is a good defender. Like, Royce O'Neal might be a better defender right now than anybody on the Wolves roster, but he struggled last year. It's just, it's about context, right? Um, offensively, Wolves were second in three-point rate. This is a lot of it is like, much like it was with with your Chicago Bulls. How good do you think the coach is? And yeah, I, think- I was
2: going to ask that. Like, how, how, how what would you take right now, and it depends on the roster, would you rather have Chris Finch or Quinn Snyder as your coach?
1: Oh God, that's tough. It's
2: interesting, right? Because Quinn is a good rep. Like, Quinn is a good coach. And to me, that's why I... I would only play an over here. I can't play an under because of Chris Finch. I really like Chris Finch and you really like him even more than I do, I think. And if you like him to maximize the offense and get the threes up and increase the floor of the defense, all the things a good coach does, then I think that really has to make you optimistic about this team.
1: Two more things real quick. Uh, the Wolves were minus three in Pythagorean differential. We've talked a lot about that. Teams that actually underperformed in terms of their actual record, they actually tend to go under the next season. 17, 12, and one to the under with a minus three or, or less uh, in Pythagorean differential. The Wolves should have been better last year, but teams that should have been better last year tend to go under the following season because the line over adjusts for it. Uh, Brandon, if you, like, if you lean to an under, and you don't want to bet it, you get plus 165 for them to miss the playoffs, which is basically them to get in the play-in and get knocked out. What do you think of that number?
2: I don't like it. I knew you are going to ask about it because you know about my Wolves pessimism. Again, this is a team, this is a floor team. This is a high floor team. That is what Rudy Gobert is. They would need some injuries or that sort of thing, which can happen to anyone. But I think that this is a a very solid team that gets into the four to eight seed range which could put them in the play-in and could make them have to possibly win games. But if you're a 7 or 8 seed, you got to lose twice to miss the playoffs still. I know we'll, we'll get there when we get there, all the questions about what the playoff makeup of this team is, but you got to lose twice still. I, I'm going to go the other way, actually. Because of the floor, I mentioned the one bet that I like. We talked about Nuggets division price. I didn't like it. Nuggets first, Wolves second. That's the bet that I want. Plus 140 at DraftKings. Nice. Because here's here's why, and I don't think you want this one because you're higher on the Blazers. So I think that you put the Blazers closer to the Wolves enough where that could be a threat, no? No. Okay, so because I, for me, I have the Nuggets clear, easily clear of the Wolves enough, not enough to bet the minus 140 on its own, but enough that a plus 140, 42% implied, I have the Nuggets 64% in the division. Now the only thing I need to count on is, okay, are the Wolves ahead of everyone else? And I am very comfortable putting this Wolves team ahead of the Blazers and certainly ahead of our other options here. So I like the one-two finish there.
1: I'm going to bet that too because I have a, like I would put that at sixty percent. That's what I would put is sixty percent. It's Nuggets one, Wolves two, um, and I would say it's like thirty percent Wolves one, Nuggets two, and then the rest of the of the variabilities. I do have the Blazers significantly lower. I, I think the Blazers ceiling is like forty four wins. I think the Wolves floor is like forty five.
2: I think your 60 is a little high because I had the division. Look, just the, the implied division on just the Nuggets is 58. I had the Nuggets just winning the division as 64. So I think 60 is probably a tad high. But it's, certainly we both think it's above 50 that yeah. we go Nuggets 1, Wolves 2. And we're getting 42%. So that's the best bet, I think, for both of us.
1: Uh finally the Oklahoma City Thunder, 22 and a half. There's a minus 125 to the over at points bet. There is at Superbook a number all the again, sharper book, all the way up at 25. If you want to bet the under, wow. all the way up to 25 wins. Uh Brandon, real quickly, what's your projection for the Oklahoma City Thunder?
2: My projection is I'm sad. No Chet Holmgren. I have the Thunder at 28th on offense, 20th on defense, a little higher than you might have thought. And twenty to twenty-seven wins. This is a straight pass for me. I don't need any money on the Thunder.
1: If Chet had had was did not suffer the injury, would you have taken the over?
2: Well, I'm. Uh, do we did this number move? Do we know if it moved, it moved without chat I
1: think it moved by 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 about a win.
2: I would have probably been a lean over because there's always the tank threat with the Thunder. But I I probably would have been this. I would have been a lean over, but not played it. And I would have probably played like a plus 700 or something for the Thunder to make the play in because I would have liked the long tail of the, if things go well and Chet's what we think he is and SGA actually plays the whole year, I could see a very positive outcome. I'd rather have tried that. I don't think that exists anymore. And this team makes me sad.
1: Uh, they had the third best Pythagorean differential, so they uh, won more games than they should have. Again, that usually trends to the over in a counterproductive or a counterintuitive way. This is The same like the Blazers in this range, where based off of that number alone at sixty-five percent, you should be looking towards the over on the Blazers. If I if it's a it's a over or pass at twenty-two and a half for me. Don't want the under twenty-five at twenty-five. Definitely don't want the over at twenty-five. Uh, twenty-two and a half is a lean over, but I don't want to bet it. A lot of it just because of the roster construction, Chet was going to fill a lot of holes. If you look at their roster, they have no bigs and they have no shooting. Chet Holmgren's a big shooter. Losing him just really sucks <laughs> for them. And yeah. it's very likely that that reorients them to being like, OK, another year of pain and it sucks. But there's just really no option. Um, I do think one of the concerns is I don't know how much longer Shea Gildas Alexander is going to want to just waste his time. Like he's no. losing years here. And so if that gets to be a problem, that could be an issue. But all all indications are that Shay's along with the plan. Look, what's better than Chet Holmgren? Chet Holmgren and Victor Womanyama. <laughs> what's better than Chet Holmgren? Chet Holmgren and Shea, Alexander and Scoot Henderson. No. There's a very good chance that they tank out, but can they get below 22 and a half? Do they need to get below 22 and a half? I don't think so. So I, I think the 25 is maybe a little soft for the under, I think the 22 and a half is pretty soft for the over, but I don't want to bet on either one of them.
2: The offense is going to be bad. Shea's the only good offensive player. Josh Giddey is going to get there, but it's not there yet and doesn't shoot. And the, the offense is going to be bad. The defense though did finish 18th last year in defensive rating. I had them with Chad Holmgren as a top half of the league defense. I think I had them 13th or 14th. Is there enough defensive floor to give them a floor to look to an, an over here because I think we agree. We, we like Mark Dagnall. Like he's, he's doing yeah. well with, with what, with the, with the, the cards he's been dealt. He's done a nice job there.
1: Bet the thunder night by night. That's my yeah, advice. That's for you. the way just yep. take them ATS night by night in, yep. in prime spots where they're big dogs, best bets for the division. We both love the nuggets over. It's our best bet. Brandon uh has been moved off of the blazers under to a lean i have best bet to the over on the blazers brandon has a best bet on the under on the utah jazz and we have various other props and things throughout it that you can find
2: i yeah, get that there. nuggets wolves one two two we both nuggets, like that Wolf, one Wolf plus, 140. plus 140
1: find those at DraftKings or anywhere uh, betmgm also has those up all right thanks for joining us make sure to rate review and subscribe download the award-winning action network app have yourselves a great weekend we'll see you guys again next week with another division of win totals here and as always never forget get yep. one.